As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that local shouting, it's Dainer and Jay, it's Dainer and Today's episode of Hear That Podcast Ground, presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Paul Dina Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic, working for you in Super Bowl week. And we just came out of the first round of uh, interviews here on Monday morning. They'll be going on all week. Bunch of coaches talking on Tuesday. 10 players at a time every day this week. So plenty of people saying things. It's a Super Bowl. People people all over the globe are asking things. Players everywhere are answering things. You're going to be inundated with more information and more questions and answers and quotes about the Bengals than you've ever seen on every single outlet or network in this entire world. But you came here to us, so God bless you. Jay, how you doing? Doing great. I'm still trying to catch my breath from – trying to hop in and out of nine different zooms and it's 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 hard i wonder what it was like for the players it would be really interesting to to see uh how many times they got asked i mean i feel sorry for cj uzama because i'm sure every single person hopped in asked how he was physically hopped back out went to someone else um it 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 had to be uh, a little frustrating for them on their end but that's that's the way they've set it up this is kind of a what they've got to deal with if they want to do it this way well, if you want any, I was in with CJ for a while, and he seemed to be enjoying it, as you might have <laughs> yeah. imagined. Uh, I didn't hear anybody actually ask about how he was feeling physically. I did point out that his legend uh, is growing after his on crutches celebration, and he said that <laughs> in Kansas City, the, they, the trainers were telling him that he shouldn't go back out there. He told them, I'm not listening to you. I'm going back out there. And then he kept going nuts after all these celebrations. And they were like, dude, we're going to send you back inside if you can't calm down and stop jumping around on your knee and going and dapping everybody up. Uh, and he's, he's, So he was he didn't realize that the legend was growing, but I pointed out like dude, CJ yelling and screaming and dapping on crutches was uh, – a pretty massive spot. So CJ enjoying the moment uh, as as much as anybody. He pointed out that uh, he had just remembered that him and his dad made some sort of fake Lombardi trophy out of like a pool noodle and some other things <laughs> at one point. And he's like so unbelievable to think about the fact that he's going to be playing in with a third chance to hit the real one. He did say, by the way, he is going to be playing in the Super Bowl. He plans on doing so. And I think after what we saw this weekend – uh, where CJ did work out on the side. I mean, he was doing some running. He was on the bike. He was doing high kicks into the air. He was pulling on resistance. I, I would say if you had doubts, CJ, it wasn't just words. It was uh, we saw better than we heard, uh, and we heard and saw both things. CJ looking good. So that's good news on the news front for the Bengals. Um, let's, uh, l- that's the main part of the news. Again, Jay, you're flying out to LA today. Uh, I'll be flying out tomorrow. But for people that are going to be going out or just looking for content, Jay, you're on the lead. Um, we've talked about the lead. We've been on it a couple mm-hmm. of times here now recently. The main uh, podcast, the daily podcast, talking about Evan McPherson, talking about Sam Smathers. So people should definitely go check that out today. Yeah, it was it was a blast. Um, they it, it it's it's almost what you have to do in this 
age of Zoom is you 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 can't get these guys one on one. So you you got to go to their peewee coach or their their <laughs> fiance or their their parents, uh, their high school coach, and and they 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 all have such great stories. And um, you know, there's there's the no the expected star of Joe Burrow. And maybe this surprise star of this 2021 team, Evan and McPherson, and just some great backstories and uh, had, had a lot of fun talking to those guys on the pod. CJ referred to Evan as the chicken finger eaten king of the world. If you're talking about him as kind of the kid on the little kid on the playground uh, that, that then goes out there and just boots game winners. Uh Let's dive. We want to dive a little bit into this game. The experience is happening over the course of this week. We're going to be on a number of different shows where you can find us. We're going to have live rooms. We're going to have, you know, national shows. So it'll all be showing up in your feed. Don't worry about that. Uh, but we've got a lot we're going to be getting over. I just kind of want to, before we get into the madness of us both being in LA, kind of talk specifically about some points of the game. We're going to, of course, going to bring in Mo Egger. We're going to talk about the game kind of a little more specifically with him. Uh, and of course, I, we couldn't do this without bringing in optimistic Bobby, uh, who made a very good point about, wow, maybe he, we, we didn't really need him on this podcast anymore as everyone is now understanding the, uh, the optimism and world that he came from. But, uh, we we bring optimistic Bobby back for Super Bowl week, which only feels fitting, you know. Dance with who brought you, right? Uh, it's 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 only right for this podcast. I mean, he feels like the catalyst. That, that was such a great analogy about the <laughs> DJ dropping the beat of what it was going to be like, and it was when when they beat the Raiders and this town went nuts, and they've just continued to go nuts ever since. And yes, he is. He, in, even in the darkest days, he was the one that kept the faith. So he 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 has earned this spot today. Yes, and uh, plenty more coming from him later. So we got all that coming. Let's let's start this. Um, n- rank your top two. What what is what is what are we going to talk about after this game? It, what are we going to talk about as the decisive element? Let's just if the Bengals are holding the Lombardi. I mean, if Joe Burrow, Mike Brown, Zach Taylor are all standing there on stage, hope maybe Icky Woods and his bee inside the plastic bag. Which apparently is because he keeps pictures of himself to give to people in to keep them dry, as someone told me, which I is fine. But I still am kind of just like really taken aback by the plastic bag. But if they're all up there on the stage, what, what do you think will have happened? Uh, well, I think the story will be how they neutralized or overcame Aaron Donald because he's going to be a factor in this game. And, and, and CJ coming back is such a such a huge thing. He's not, he's not their, their number one target, obviously, but you saw that in the Tennessee game when, when Joe Burrow was getting beat up and he just, he would look for his first read. If it wasn't there, check it down to CJ, get the sure five yards and, and get into a more manageable situation on the next down. And I think we're going to see a lot of that, maybe screens to Joe Mixon and checkdowns to CJ. If Aaron Donald is wrecking them. And if, if they're holding the Lombardi trophy, it's going to be, how they overcame Aaron Donald, how they either slowed down that Rams pass rush or how they survived the beating and overcame it. Yeah. You know, I want to, people talk about, okay, well, what is this? Is this the Tennessee rush? Is this Jeffrey Simmons? Is this um, Chris Jones, who they were able to deal with his disruption? You know, Burrow was kind of famously running away from him in the first game, getting his nameplate ripped off in the second game, just barely sneaking out of his grasp and things like that. Donald's kind of a combination of both, which is the scary part. And I'm with you. I, I think that it's the most obvious strength on weakness. To me, it is, can Burrow get away from Aaron Donald? Like that, that's, Donald is so good. It's, he's not just disruptive. He finishes, mm-hmm. he, he, he ends it. And so Burrow doesn't have a problem with somebody breaking through as we've seen in pretty much every game this year. The problem comes when he's hemmed in, doesn't feel like he has space or can't get away. He's pulled the Houdini off a number of times and it's fine if he does like you know, how many sacks is too many in this game? I don't know. He got sacked nine times against Tennessee, and they still won. Um, it, so there's a lot of different factors to that. I, I tend to think that we 
because Donald's such a star, because the Bengals line is such a storyline for the weaknesses that they've had, you know, it tends to overshadow the fact that this happens every game where there's tons of pressure. To me, the question is how many times when Donald's the one guy through, will Burrow be able to get away and make a big play out of it? And how many times will it flush him into another guy or something that, you know, we'll talk about later, but will that end in a turnover? Because to me, when I rank them, I think this will continue to be, as it has been this entire playoff run for this Bengals team, it's going to be about them winning the turnover battle and getting them. It's how they have won. We spend so much time talking about the Stars, and then we should. And what Burrow has done is incredible. What Chase has done is incredible. This has been a playoff run dominated by the Bengals finding turnovers. And finding ways to get them. And so to me, it's going to come down to that. Do they still win that turnover battle? Are they able to to get those one or two plays that flip the script in the game and make the difference? I think that at the end of the day on Sunday at whatever time will be what we'll be talking about. And maybe maybe that's because Aaron Donald got a strip sack or Von Miller did. But I, I think that is really where this thing starts and ends in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's a great point about Donald finishing because there. If you go back and watch that, the, the the time where he, the Joe Houdini had that play where he got away from Chris Jones and he he's flushing out of the pocket. Jones is right behind him, and it Burrow's looking back over his shoulder, and it's almost like a cat and mouse game. He he he. It almost looks like he slows down a little bit to bait Chris Jones into diving for him. And then as soon as he launches, he takes off and steps out of it. You don't want to play that with Darren Donald. You don't want to mess around. You just get away any way possible. And I think maybe they do go contrarian and, and, and spread it and go empty. And if, if you're going to send that many guys out in the pattern – you're going to create opportunities for Joe Burrow if he can get away from Aaron Donald to make more plays with his feet, not so much spinning out and, and, and trying to outrace Aaron Donald, but taking it off up the middle and getting six, seven yards, sliding down, living for the next play. I mean, this is it. This is the Super Bowl. You, you, you never want to see your quarterback running and putting himself in danger, but there's there's no tomorrow. And I, I do think that is such a big part of Joe Burrow's game that wasn't really there early in the season because of the he, the knee wasn't the confidence in the knee wasn't all the way back and I I think we could see him approach again that was one of his highest rushing yards rushing totals last week I, I think we could see something like that again this week Jay you you kind of uh, took a look at the stats of look if if the team that has the lead at halftime I mean, we we've noted both teams have had comebacks right i mean the bengal's have come back multiple times the rams came back from uh downtown against san francisco they've these teams have found ways to come back but it you know in so many ways having control halfway through and proving to be in a better spot you know, is still wi- widely regarded, and, and you, nobody wants to be playing from behind in this game, no matter how comfortable you would feel. I don't think there's a lead the Rams could have that Bengals fans would be freaking out about, maybe a little mm. bit. But I don't know if there's a, a, a lead they could have that Bengals fans would totally be freaking out about because they've seen the comeback so many times. There is such a belief in that. But at a certain point, when you really take the the emotion and the history out of it, it's about it's about being good from the jump and, and not having to do that. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals are eight and one this year when they lead after the first quarter and both the Bengals and the Rams are 10 to one when they lead at the half. It goes, it, I mean, it just follows that if you, if you take a lead early, you're in a better position to win games. What I really found interesting was that for the longest time, they always put the stat up after the, whoever scored first in the Super Bowl, the team that scores first in the Super Bowl is one. And it, it was this ungodly number. Um, in the last 20 Super Bowls, the team that has scored first is 11 and nine. It's not that way anymore. They're in three of the last seven Super Bowls. There's been fourth quarter lead changes. So it, it, we have seen it more lately. I think it's because the league has opened up and being a passing offense, it kind of lends itself to that. But these two teams in particular, Bengals and Rams, are really good at holding leads. It's not just both 10 and one after halftime. If, if the the Rams lead after three quarters, they're seven and one. When the Bengals lead after three quarters, they're eight and one. We, we've seen the Bengals make some amazing comebacks this year, but you you don't want to keep testing 
or tempting fate. You, they, they need to get out in front in this game. Um, a, a double digit deficit's not going to scare anybody because of what they have done, but just with how good the Rams have been at protecting leads, I don't think you want to play with that fire. And the other side of it is what, I mean, the makeup of this game is will Matt Stafford, who makes mistakes, make the mistake that cost them when they're, and the chance you're going to have to see that is if he's trying to come back. Look, I mean, they're, it's San Francisco, Cincinnati part three, probably if, if Jaquiski Tart doesn't drop that easy mm-hmm. interception. I mean, you've seen that Stafford has done that, particularly when they've been behind in spots this year. You see the, the risks, you see the just launching it and throwing it up, trying to let somebody go make a play, using his arm strength as part of it. And, and guys need to come down with it. I mean, we're talking to Jesse Bates just a couple minutes ago and he's like, yeah, you better believe I'm going to go out there pregame and be making sure I can catch those deep balls that are thrown up there, whether it be into the lights or in the scoreboard or whatever, because, you know, you can't see that and not think about that. Um, see, see what happened in San Francisco and not think about that. And so something as simple as that of just making that catch, making that play, having that interception, when LA feeling is feeling the Super Bowl pressure and Stafford's feeling the Super Bowl pressure and needs to start launching it and taking a few more risks, that's when you make the play that finishes them. That's when you make the play that ends the game. And so ha- playing from ahead in that respect, while you have trust, and it's not like you won't feel comfortable if Burrow's having to do it, I think that is probably the situation that you expect the critical turnover that's going to change the game to come from. Yeah, and you. the other part of that is you you have a running back in Joe Mixon that's built for that. To, it's not like they would completely – just go to clock killing mode, but you've got that option. You've got a guy in, in mixing that can churn up yards and eat clock. And um, it, it just, it plays so much better into their favor. If, if they can play from ahead and, and force Stafford into not, not panic mode, but just pushing the envelope and trying things. He's got Odell Beckham jr. He's got Cooper cup. You can get away with some of those wing and a prayer type of throws with those good receivers. But this Bengals defense has been so good at taking the ball away, particularly on interceptions through this whole playoff run. And it 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 feels if if the Rams are in a must pass situation, that those opportunities will be there to continue that. And, and it's all it's been everybody. It's been Pratt, Hilton, Bates, B.J. Hill. For God's sake, I mean, all these guys are getting picks, and there, there's going to be opportunities for them again Sunday. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's bring in Mo, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more uh, about some of the dynamics of of this game. So let's bring in our let's bring in Mo Eger, our friend who's been with us all year uh, from ESPN fifteen thirty. I'm going to keep saying it. We're going to talk about the Bengals in the Super Bowl, <laughs> uh, and hope that at some point it starts to feel normal. At this point, it sure doesn't, though. But how are you doing? I'm doing great. It doesn't seem normal, and it's like fast approaching. I mean, it's like. You know, it's it's getting here, man. It's yeah. I, I've I've started to think about what those moments are going to be like right before kickoff, uh, and and I don't know how I'm going to behave. <laughs> uh, what do you got for tweets, uh, Jay? Have we counted them up? Uh, yes, uh, CNN correspondent Mo Egger <laughs> had 138 tweets. If wow. we go Tuesday to Monday, but because. 
we didn't count him up last week. If I go Monday to Monday, we do a true full week. He had 161 tweets. Wow. It was, it was a big week I, to be excited and have things to tweet about. Wow. But did you notice they had me on CNN on Monday and then the president of CNN whacked Wednesday? <laughs> Coincidence? No, I don't think so. It sure feels like a direct correlation. There is no doubt. I, I appreciate that. This uh, is what's happened to this network? Really? Him? That guy? Sorry. Zucker, you're out. Uh, I love that. Uh, I'm going to start here. I'm not going to read your tweets back to you because we're just – everything's different, so we're just throwing that trope out the window at this point. Uh, let's talk about, from your view, the game, the actual like logistics of the game. Uh, uh, I mean, what to you stands out as as what will inevitably be the difference when we're sitting here and, and you're trying to figure out your emotions and the Bengals have won uh, after a game like this? What would have happened? Uh, gross oversimplification on my part. Joe Burrow is going to get sacked. He's going to get hit. If the, the damage is limited to sacks and hits, they win. If the pressure put on him turns into picks turns into bad decision-making, turns into the sort of turnovers that this team has avoided, then they lose. Um, you know, you, you guys have both talked a lot and written about when they don't lose the turnover battle, they don't lose the game. They're 12-1, and one, uh, including the postseason. They've won all three of these games. Their offense has not been as dynamic. They've had to design an offense and work around an offensive line that is not that good. You are not going to continually block up front the guys the Los Angeles Rams are going to send. So Joe Burrow is going to get sacked more than he was sacked against Kansas City. Ideally, not nine times, but probably more than one. What I'm interested in is, okay, he takes a sack. It throws the drive off schedule. Maybe it takes him out of scoring range, but it's not a turnover. If those hits turn into turnovers, then I'm really concerned. If they don't, I think they're going to be okay. Yes, not just the hits and the sacks, but you, you wonder how quickly Aaron Donald or yeah. Von Miller get to Joe Burrow. Is it is, is it a case where he we've seen in the Tennessee game where sometimes he holds the ball too long and then the walls collapse? Or is it Aaron Donald tossing Hakeem Adenogy aside and getting on top of Joe Burrow in one second? Or, or Von Miller or somebody else as a free runner coming off the edge and giving him zero time? But you're right, if... if you you figure he's going to get hit. He's going to get sacked. He's he has a knack for pulling himself back up and and hitting the next play. But if if it does turn into turnovers, even if the defense gets comes up with a couple turnovers of their own, it doesn't feel like they they can win this game even in the turnover battle. It's going to have to be positive. Yeah, I mean, and and the turnovers obviously aren't just picks either. They're you know sack fumbles, things like that. I just I have this vision. When I was thirteen years old, the Giants played the Bills in the Super Bowl. And Jeff Hostetler was New York's starting quarterback, and he got his tail kicked. I mean, Bruce Smith, uh, Daryl Talley, all these dudes at Buffalo. I mean, they just kicked the crap out of Jeff Hostetler. And I remember as a kid, like, admiring this backup quarterback's toughness. And <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to see the same thing for Joe Burrow on Sunday, where he just takes hit after hit after hit after hit. What do the Bengals do to counteract that? Does it result in turnovers? How quickly does the pressure get there? Um, I, I think, I think this game really does kind of come down to that. I mean, you know, th this team has gotten to the Super Bowl not so much on the shoulders of its offense as, as much as it's gotten there to a degree in spite of its offense. You know, they, they haven't been bad, but they haven't been as good as anybody. I think if you would have said to most people, certainly outsiders coming into the postseason, the Bengals are going to play in the Super Bowl, they would have said, okay, that means that Joe Burrow has three games where he just, you know, throws for 350 and a bunch of touchdowns and they win, you know, 38-35. That hasn't been the case. They've had to work around that offensive line. And so how do they do that against uh, against the Rams? And if they don't, what does that look like in terms of turnovers? And again, if they don't turn it over, they don't lose. So I assume the trend is going to continue, but that boy, that makes it sound a lot easier than it is. What, what's your opinion of Matt Stafford? And, and I mean this to the fact that he seems to be a weirdly polarizing figure where it's like NFL insiders really think Matt Stafford is this great guy. And then there's like this other community uh, of whether it's the analytics community or the general football watcher who maybe just kind of hold Detroit over him. I, I look at him and, and I, I think the Bengals have the better quarterback in this game. And I, I look at, you know, the turnover issue that Burrow fixed midseason. Matt Stafford never really did. 
He, you know, mm-hmm. he still has continued to make mistakes that they've overcome because they have a ton of talent around him. But I don't look at Stafford as it's this being with the way Burrow is playing right now an even quarterback matchup. I think the Bengals have a pretty significant gap. Do you see it that way? Yeah. Um, it's funny when when the Rams made the trade for Matthew Stafford and there were a lot of people just salivating over boy, Matthew Stafford. Now the Rams have a quarterback as a fan of this league. I went, really? I I mean, you asked me my opinion. I've never really had one because he's certainly not terrible. He's obviously not great. He hasn't had a ton of huge stages to be on um, because of, of where he was. So you know, having not watched him week in and week out and him being often, you know, usually on, on teams in Detroit that you really didn't pay very close attention to. I mean, first of all, I, I was like, well, yeah, that dude's been in the league for like a decade. Wow. It's, you know, and a little bit more than that. So I, I started there and then I looked statistically, there's a lot to like measurables. People really, really like, but yeah, he led the league in, he led the league in picks thrown. So, um, and at the end of the regular season, he was not good at all. And, you know, that's 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 with a, a Rams team that has a, a, a loaded roster. So, yeah, I mean, I think most would agree that schematically and personnel wise, the Rams have the better roster. It's OK to say that, but they don't have an advantage at quarterback. Even if you don't think Joe Burrow is markedly better than Matthew Stafford, you can't say the Los Angeles Rams have a, dis- a decided advantage at the game's most important position. You can't. It's, it's a wash at worst. But I think Joe Burrow's better. And again, I mean, it's the, the the difference in the way he has made decisions and not turned the ball over from the first half of the season uh, to what we've seen in the second half of the season and here in the playoffs has been striking. And if that continues, then give me Joe Burrow and the Bengals. If it doesn't, then Matthew Stafford's good enough to make you pay. And certainly the team they have around him is good enough to make you pay. But no, I, you know, Matthew Stafford's fine. He's, he's, he's fine. He's better than Jared Goff. But you don't look at this and go, boy, the Rams have a decided advantage over Cincinnati in the quarterback spot. And, you know, the, the quarterback spot's the most important position, obviously. And there is a template there for the game manager to win a Super Bowl. I mean, you go back 21 years to Trent Dilfer did it. Um, but you're right. If you're going to do that, you, you have to not make those mistakes. And he has thrown a lot of picks. And I, I think the Rams have an offensive line advantage, but I'm not sure – it's a huge one. It, just as you know, you said Joe Burrow might just be a slightly better than Matthew Stafford. I, I think the Rams do have a better offensive line than the Bengals, but this Bengals pass rush has been really good, and, and they're covering well on the back end. And if if they get pressure on Matthew Stafford, I I I have no doubt that they they will be able to get a couple turnovers, whether it be a, a strip sack like we saw against the Raiders, or more interceptions, tip balls in the secondary. Um, I, I agree. I, I always look at the three, the three things I look at who has the better quarterback, who has the better head coach and who has the better offensive line. And I, I think at this point you have to give it to Sean McVay over Zach Taylor and you give the offensive line to the, the Rams over the Bengals. But I, I give the nod to Burrow over Stafford. I don't know if one out of three is enough to overcome it, but it could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, we've seen Stafford have these meltdown games with, with multiple picks and the, the Bengals have a defensive makeup to, to, to force that to happen. The, uh, I'm sure you guys, I know I do. You get accused of overemphasizing quarterback play. Well, I, you know, you guys, all you do is talk about quarterbacks. Well, in the NFL this year, the team with the best quarterback won every division in football. The first weekend of the playoffs, the team with the best quarterback won five of the six games. And you, you really maybe can't say that about how things unfolded in the final two rounds. I'm not yet willing to say that Joe Burrow is better than Patrick Mahomes, but the Bengals defensively brought Patrick Mahomes back. I don't want to say to Joe Burrow's level, but they they sort of mitigated whatever advantage the uh, Kansas City Chiefs would have. And we can debate the merits of of Matthew Stafford, but he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Quarterback play, quarterback play has never mattered more in the NFL than it does right now. And to me, that was we talked about the Tennessee game a lot, and I felt good about that because I felt better about Joe Burrow than I did Ryan Tannehill. It's not all the game came down to. Um, it, there were a lot of different reasons why the Bengals won that football game, but yeah, you have an advantage, at least a slight one, at the game's most important position. Um, and so I, as a Bengals fan, I feel really, really good about that. You know, 
we'll watch Andrew Whitworth out there try to stop Trey Hendrickson, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, just as as fun as it gets. I, I have an appreciation for Witt's career. Um, I'm, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna dive into that again here. But I mean, you know, it is kind of funny that you do have one of the most important matchups because Trey Hendrickson is so far and away the Bengals' most consistent pass rusher. And if they get him in one-on-ones, that's really their best chance to get back there and get that turnover play that you need. It's you, the sur- the surreal nature of everything. <laughs> if it wasn't enough. <laughs> There's number 77 playing in his last game, almost certainly, trying to stop the Bengals' most important defensive pass rushing piece. I mean, you know, after how many years removed from, oh, we think he's kind of washed up, right? Yeah. I'm just not going to bet on this guy anymore. And, you know, all the stuff that was said and uh, between his family and Melissa and Troy Blackburn. and, And here we are. And here we are at this with Trey Hendrickson versus Andrew Whitworth. Like this is just this type of storylines that only Super Bowls provide. It's it's remarkable. Um, I I said this. I said two different things to you last week that that came to mind when you were just sort of outlining what this that sort of central storyline to this game. Number one is. As a Bengals fan, there would be nothing more that I would enjoy than like Witt being pulled because he just can't block Trey Hendrickson. And <laughs> as he's walking off the field dejectedly, the Bengals fans at SoFi Stadium give him a nice round of applause. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's also remarkable to me, and I, I didn't really look at it through this lens until you said something. I believe Andrew Whitworth should be in the Hall of Fame. He has played at an extraordinarily high level for an extraordinarily long amount of time, and he's been on a lot of really good teams. Um, that is, uh, I, that's hall of fame worthy. I hate the idea that there could be a, a voter who, when they, when, when Andrew's candidacy comes up, if the Rams don't win this game, they don't vote him in because he didn't win a title. I, I don't know how you, do, I don't know how you do that to a player, but I don't know how you do that to a tackle. Um, and so I hate the idea that there theoretically could be a voter who's using this game to determine whether or not they'll elect Andrew Whitworth to camp. I hate that I because it's, that's not how it should be, but that probably is how it is for at least some voters. I hate that idea. I hate the, the suggestion that the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Los Angeles Rams could keep Andrew Whitworth out of the pro football hall of fame, but that possibility in a weird way, I guess does seem to exist, but yeah, I mean, look in a, in a, in a postseason in which, you couldn't have scripted how this is all unfolded. Now to get over the final hurdle, you have this beloved, cherished former player who's not like just an accessory to the team. And he's, you know, there because they're good and he's going to, you know, sort of stumble into a ring. He's still really, really good. And he's going to be going up against one of the best Bengals free agent acquisitions of all time. Um, it's 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 an incredibly good storyline. It's an incredibly good and not just like, you know, Andrew's in Los Angeles and the Bengals are going to play him. This is it. He has said this is probably my last game. And so his last game could be a loss to the team that he left or it could be him conquering the only hurdle he has yet to conquer in his career. And it comes at the expense of the team that he left. That's like legit Hollywood sort of stuff. Um, and it's and it's the most yeah literally and it it's <laughs> it's easily the most interesting storyline i do think though there's something hilarious about you know uh hot shot sean mcveigh everybody has to have the new sean mcveigh and but the only thing sean mcveigh hasn't done is win a super bowl and he could have one taken away from him by a guy who was on a staff the last time he was there that's hilarious to me yeah. That's that's and I, and and I so keep that's, and I keep going fun. back to the last time the last time they were there it was just the huddle of three people Zach Taylor Sean McVay and Jared Goff trying to figure out what the heck is Bill Belichick <laughs> doing to us and never did those yeah. and now here they are kind of going against each other one more one more thing um, that I want to bring up uh, before I let you go is. Is there? You talked about people clapping uh, for Andrew Whitworth if he was taken <laughs> off. What would the reaction be for Jalen Ramsey? Uh, oh. I mean, 
because you know you take a beloved player, even on the Rams, respected and beloved, and now does any fan base despise outside of Jacksonville despise Jalen Ramsey more than Cincinnati because of the AJ Green fight that happened? I mean, yeah. this there's almost like a personal nature of okay. Uh, you know what? You 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 may have tried to do that to AJ Green. We don't like you from that, but now come come suck on Jamar Chase a little bit and see how you feel about this. <laughs> I'm, what a fascinating matchup from a field standpoint, from a what it must be like for a Bengals fan to watch standpoint. Uh, I mean, that one's fun too. Yeah, ideally, you know, Jamar Chase uh, catches a touchdown in the face of Jalen Ramsey and then beats the crap out of him. <laughs> that would, be, you know, would be the ultimate justice is you know you, you embarrass the dude you score and then you you punch him and, and beat him up after, after that i mean you talk about one of the most bizarre moments in recent bengals history aj green this mild-mannered like you gotta you, you gotta be pardon my language here you gotta be an a-hole to piss off aj green that's that's yeah. at least the perception and yet there's aj being escorted off the field because he got into a fight with somebody of all the things that i've seen over the last uh how many years well watching the bengals that that felt like the most improbable and so in cincinnati yeah that's what jalen ramsey has kind of become known for and uh but you know you, you talk about from a, a chess match perspective where Jalen Ramsey is on the field and how the Bengals respond to that is, is certainly going to be, you know, fascinating and, 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 and what kind of job he does on Jamar chase and how the Bengals respond to whatever job Jalen Ramsey does. And does Jamar get the better of Jalen? All that is fascinating, but yes, from a storyline perspective that dude is reviled in Cincinnati. And so it'd be great to see him get his comeuppance. All right, let's just take a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I, I don't want to see Jamar beat up Jalen Ramsey, but how great would it be if, if he does score the touchdown and he does the the wailing away on the football? Like the, 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 yeah, that, that great shot the Enquirer had of AJ with his fist raised hitting Jamar hitting Jalen Ramsey. Um, I this is Jamar Chase's biggest test because it yeah. not just how good of a player that Ramsey is, but he can get in guys' heads. And you wonder about that. AJ was a veteran that nobody got into his head. Maybe Joe Hayden did a couple of times early in his career. But Jamar Chase is a rookie, and Jalen Ramsey's gonna he's gonna trash talk the crap out of him, and he's gonna do everything he can to take him out of the game mentally as well as physically. And that is that's gonna be another fascinating matchup to watch because if if Chase can get the better of him early, that's gonna shut Ramsey up, and that's gonna take away a, a big part of his mental edge. Yeah, I do want him to beat him up. Uh, <laughs> you know, it would it would be at the expense of fifteen yards, and maybe maybe Jamar being kicked out of the game, which we don't want. But uh, yeah, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see how that unfolds early in the game because I, you know, they've they've sort of been conservative early in games here. They certainly were against Kansas City. Uh, I, I want to see if they go right after Jalen Ramsey and give Jamar Chase a chance to to catch a ball or two, maybe make an impact play or two early in the game against him, just in an effort to shut Jalen Ramsey up because. Boy, the biggest fear is we're in the third quarter. Jamar doesn't have a catch, and Jalen Ramsey is telling him all about it. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's going to be interesting. You know, I mean, you mentioned it's hard to get into AJ Green's head, and he did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. So, I, I ideally, Jamar has a couple of catches early, and then you know the game goes from there. But uh, I, I do fear the 
boy, the Bengals offense is spinning its tires and they, you know, they, they show the graphic on NBC and it's, you know, Jamar chase targets three receptions, zero. And, and, and then you, you see Jalen Ramsey just, you know, in his face the entire time, that wouldn't be good. It will be fun. Uh, Mo, you will be uh, out in LA this week, stationed out on a radio row, correct? We're not. Well, I'm going well, to radio row. We're yeah. doing the show from something called the tailgate tour ah. in Santa Monica, but I will go to radio row on Wednesday just because it is, it is the cheesiest place on earth. It Big is. room <laughs> of radio people, tables with food bags. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm going to go to radio row on Wednesday because I feel like if you're there and you're in the industry, you have an obligation to swing by radio row, but we won't be doing the show from radio row. Yeah. Between the like, Radio people in food bags, and then like one quasi famous player slash celebrity rolling through with like an entourage of 15 as if they need that, going from table <laughs> to table, and then like everyone, you know, giving the Heisman to anybody else that's trying to get in their way because, yeah. you know, because, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Larry the cable guy has to go and do five radio hits. It's like, I mean, at one point, I saw Larry the Cable Guy and Nick Lachey both with massive entourages working their way through Radio Row and realized this is just no place to be. Yeah. Uh, so I've done Radio Row twice. Uh, the first time was in Indianapolis. The first time was cool. It was 2011, and it was Patriots-Giants Super Bowl. So you had WFAN in New York and WEEI in Boston, two massive, major market, huge radio stations with elaborate setups. and. I went with Lindsey Patterson was producing the show at the time for me and they stuck us right between those two. So we got, we cherry picked all of their, cause you know, New York and Boston, they get all the A-listers. So I got Kate Upton and uh, I was barely coherent talking to Kate Upton, but I, we had Kate Upton, but also Andy Dalton and AJ green were coming off rookie seasons and they were like a big deal. And so, you know, they were working the room and we got both of them and they were, they were fantastic. And AJ sat with us and, that he had in front of him, like all the different things he had to do. And he just looked at us and said, I'm just going to sit here. Cause I don't want to do any more of this bleep. So that was fantastic <laughs> in New York. We went, we did it from New York city with the Seahawks Broncos super bowl. And we could not have been treated like third-class citizens more. But my favorite thing about that experience was basically we had no chance of getting anybody big. Right. So it, uh, uh, we, Connor Barwin came over and talked to us for a while, which was great. Marvin Jones was there. He came over and talked to us. He had just had a, a breakout season. He was fantastic. So Anthony Munoz is walking by and he's got all these people. Around. And it's Anthony Munoz doesn't need a, an entourage. And you could just tell by the look on his face. He didn't need all these people. So uh, I said to Lindsay, see if we can get Anthony. And she got Heisman by, you know, the published publicist. And she was not friendly. And Anthony just looks up and he sees Lindsay and he sees me and he just is like, of course, we're going to talk to Mo. And that was a, a career highlight. <laughs> Anthony Munoz telling his handlers, I don't care who we have to do. We're going to talk to the radio station in Cincinnati because, you know, I played there. So I've always been indebted to Anthony for, uh, if nothing else, putting his publicists in the, their place by acknowledging that he should go on our show. But it is a room of radio people and a room of radio people is my version of hell. And so and <laughs> I've worked in the business for 24 years. So it is a lot of lot of self-importance, a lot of radio people complaining about everything and anything. And you walk past, you get to Friday on Radio Roll Row, Ooh. and it's radio people who have been there for five days eating nothing but fast food. Uh, it's it can be a pretty pretty dark and dank place. So thankfully I don't have to broadcast from there. It is interesting when you are doing a show from the city that has a team, suddenly you're treated a little bit differently. So we'll be at the tailgate tour. I have no idea what the tailgate tour is, but that's where we'll be broadcasting from live. Either way, people can obviously listen to all that. And, uh, and you know, maybe, maybe I'll come by whatever the tailgate tour is at some point and we can reconvene. That would be, that'd be great. Yes. It's the largest outdoor Super Bowl event in LA. Wow. That sounds significant. The thing here. That's what it says on the piece of paper. All right, good. What it says. Uh, Mo, thank you very much. Uh, Next week, we'll have you on and we'll discuss if the Bengals won the Super Bowl. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. I'm still not there yet. I've tried now for a week and a half, uh, and I'm still not quite there yet. But I, I think, I think by the time Friday rolls around, I'll feel very comfortable talking about the Bengals being in the Super Bowl and potentially winning it. You know, I'm I'm flying back on the red eye, leaves at 1 a.m. Sunday after the game, and I was talking with a friend of mine, and we were comparing Super Bowl plans, and she's she sent me her itinerary, and I said, we're, we're on the same flight back. That's great. I'm going to need, if they win, someone to ensure that I get on the plane and then God help the other passengers if they do win the game because I don't know what that flight's going to be like for the rest of them. The, the 86 Mets flight, Back from Houston at the end of the NLCS, I might just recreate that myself for all these other people who are trying to sleep. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, please don't get kicked off any planes. I will try not get kicked off of 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 any planes. So, all right, yeah. Mo, we will uh, we will talk to you uh, on the flip side of the Super Bowl. Looking forward to that conversation. Okay, guys, thank you. All right, great to catch up with Mo. We've come a long way and done a lot of those segments where we don't talk about a whole lot that makes sense with the Bengals, but <laughs> not these days. These days, there's too much uh, meat on the bone, so to speak. We, we mentioned the one thing that's interesting in there, talking about uh, Trey Hendrickson versus Andrew Whitworth. Um, you know, some some of the true media stats that, that we have extra is about how, you know, Whitworth, it's, he's playing some of the best football of the season. Yes, in, in he allowed five sacks this year, according to True Media, but only 16 pressures in the regular season. Compare that to, I mean, 2019, he was great. He only allowed one sack, but he allowed 28 pressures. So yet some of the sack numbers you might see up there, maybe a little bit further up on him, uh, you know, but he's he really has played great. Another one among offensive linemen who played at least 400 passing snaps in the regular season, Whitworth's 16 pressures allowed. They tied for 20th fewest out of 132 players. I mean, he's 40. He's still playing at a very high level, but Jay, he has played Trey Hendrickson before. What happened there? Yeah, I went to look and see if they played last year and during Hendrickson's breakout year, and they did not, but they played in 2019. And I looked at the numbers. I didn't watch the entire game, but Trey Hendrickson almost always lines up over the left tackle. I, I assume that that's where he spent most of that day. And, and he had four pressures on just 24 pass rushes that day with one sack. Uh, Witt gave up five pressures altogether that day, um, four of them to Hendrickson. He Witt finished with a pass blocking grade from PFF of 43.9. That was the third lowest of his career with the Rams. Um, he had a 40.9 last year against the Packers, and he had a 32.5 versus Seahawks way back in 2017. He's he's normally up in that at least 60 range and usually in the seventies and eighties, he has been so solid. So, so Trey Hendrickson has a history of success and that was, that was before his breakout year. Hendrickson is a different player now and, and wit is yes, he's still playing well at this age, but that was, it was two years ago. I mean, the, the, the body starts wearing down. That was week two. That wasn't an uh, old man tired at the end of a year. Like you might see Sunday with with Witt's played a lot of football and this is the longest season in NFL history. Um, it's I, I I think that could be the key matchup. Um, as much as we'd like to talk about Aaron Donald and that Rams pass rush, if Trey Hendrickson can get there and get pressure and get home and finish on Matthew Stafford, it, it's going to put the Bengals in a great position. And partially because we've just we've seen so many games this year where Hendrickson's kind of the only one really getting back there consistently. I mean, he's your highest win rate guy. Uh, Hubbard ha is has been relentless and picked up the you know the scraps a lot and 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 been able to get a lot of sacks back there. But it typically so much of it always has to start with Hendrickson uh, and BJ Hill too, trying to find a way up the middle. But you know, it's it seems you've seen a lot of games this year where it's like, man. When Hendrickson has gone off with an injury, he nursed the back at some point. I mean, where it was like, oh, they're really missing Hendrickson. You notice it when he's not out there, when he's not effective, because he's the one that sort of is the first domino that does set there. Their pass rush is very much complementary to having him. Um, and if he's not having that big day, you notice that go down the lines. Um, we talked a lot about this game. I, there's, you know, it's it's hard not to try to. We have to try to touch 
every basket. I hope people enjoyed uh, last week the the player personnel uh, episode talking about the building of this roster. Uh, Jay had a story about the the Bengals and the Senior Bowl. Uh, I have a, a, an A one story that is that is coming up on Tuesday morning. That is a a much deeper look at exactly not just the build, but the the way that they the way that this Bengals team kind of challenged convention along the way it, with the smallest staff in the league and, and all of that stuff. And there, there's so many different pieces to touch on here. But to me, so much of this is still about you guys that are listening, about the fans and, of this team and this city and 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 what it's meant. And so I felt like we got to go back to the well. We got to go back to the well. And that means bringing in our guy, uh, owner of 50 West, optimistic Bobby, Bobby Slattery. I would be remiss if we didn't take this opportunity, you know, to check back in with the guy that has gotten us a long way and uh, taken everybody optimistically through some hard times. But here we are at the mountaintop that I that I'm pretty sure at some point you promised, uh, and that is our guy, owner of Fifty West, optimistic Bobby Bobby Slattery. What's up? Hootie! <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm needed. I don't think. I don't know why we're doing this interview. I don't. <laughs> there used to be a time where you were necessary, and now you're just one of in a sea of tens of thousands of people that are living the optimistic Bobby life. It's like, what what is it like to watch everyone come to your world? I don't. I was trying to think of what the what movie that was. I can't remember. It was like The Matrix or whatnot, where it was like my work here is done. <laughs> you know, and you just like pass it on, and it's like okay, uh, it's incredible. I it's I. You know what's 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 interesting about this whole thing is like it's completely different than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's first of all. I think you have to say that this is the only way that ever made sense, right? Like (laughs) the only way, if you think, if I look at this whole thing, it's been so weird. Um, If I think about my life as a fan, I've like done this or, you know, I'm having like introspective moments that I'm sure everybody's having, like, you know, what does this mean? How is this happening? Um, And if you think about it, like I became a fan when I was, I was uh, seven years old and it was because the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. Right, like you were there, Paul. You're, you and I are about the same age. Yeah, and you probably remember this, right? I, I don't know when you became a fan, but for me, it was I became a fan because the Bengals went to the Super Bowl, and when I was going to my, you know, whatever it was, first grade class, we had pictures of you know the icky shuffle that we were drawing, right? <laughs> so, you, like that was that was it, and that's what we talked about at school and everywhere you went. It was like Bengals, 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 and I didn't fully, I think, understand football at that time, but I understood that like this was really fun, what was happening, um, and then it turned into you know from there, uh, it was a way that I spent Sundays with my dad. So it was like we spent football games together. And that's ultimately like what I loved about the team was, you know, it was it was time that I spent with people that I cared about. And, you know, over time, he became a fan. Now, granted, it wasn't the best time to be doing that. But the special moments that I got out of it, you know, but like I, don't, I always remember like the Eagles games and the Vikings games, like worthless games at the end of the season. But being there with my dad and watching those games and being like, this is incredible. Um so I don't know. I think in 2005, I thought this whole thing ended with like Carson Palmer winning the Super Bowl, um, which for me was going to be uh, that involved me getting drunk with a very close group of friends that understood who Steve Tovar was. <laughs> uh, right. Like that was that was what the Super Bowl was going to yeah, be. Yeah. Uh, and then and then ultimately, you know, they win and, and we probably cry and then we go to MLTs and we pass out on the floor there somewhere, right? <laughs> that was that was what the Super Bowl meant at the time. And uh this has been a totally different experience. Like uh so what I've watched of this thing has been it's like I thought it would be it, it's not about like the people that were uh it was not about the people that, uh, we, like my my best bangle friends. It's more about just like watching, you know, friends of mine that want to come over and you know talk about their salmon dip that they made, <laughs> and you're just like excited that they're excited about the bangles. And then I think the coolest thing has just been, I don't know, the part that's it's really weird for me is like. I waited this whole time and now my son's nine years old and I've literally watched my son go through that same transformation that I had as a seven year old. And I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. Like 
I waited all these years and the reward I get is get to like, I, I've always said the best part about having kids is, um, it's, you get to go like back to the future. You get to watch life back through their eyes. So like yeah. the moment you remember watching dumb and dumber for the first time and how hilarious that was. <laughs> and then you're like, Oh my God, I can't wait to show my son dumb and dumber and, and get to watch him relive this moment. And so I'm literally watching my kid relive this exact moment that I had as a kid. And I'm like, I don't know who's in charge of this or who's responsible. I'm not like super religious by any means, but whoever's doing this, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> well, so, yeah, I, I, you get it. Yeah, you know, no, they, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it is amazing. Like how many different ways I think it has sort of affected people, but I, in, in ways that they didn't understand, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's, it, it's, it, I think it's kind of, she changed the way everybody views fandom in a lot of ways. It's just because they didn't really, they never really got to understand or, uh, or feel this. The question that I have is, so if leading up to the first playoff game, the last time we talked, it was like the, the, the rising of the beat at the rave and like everyone was ready to cl- crack their glow sticks. You called it, by the way. You said, I feel like when the beat drops, you said that it's just going to be this raver that's going to go on all night long and take us all the way to the top. And here we are. What part of the rave is this? Where, where, I, I don't. I don't. Does, like, I don't did Modest Mouse just walk on stage? Like surprisingly, I don't. But <laughs> we, know, you know what? I think this is the part. Like, I, I literally feel this way. Winning the playoff game was like it was just this like celebration of oh my god, the monkeys off our back. Let's just like love each other and party. And I think what we've watched these last two games are like. It's like sentimental and emotional where you're just like, what is going on? Like, everyone's just happy to see each other. You're getting these new, it's, it's, it's just super neat. Like, I, I can't, you know, I've spent my last few Sundays, we have a party at our house with a bunch of friends that are all, you know, it's like I said, it's not my best. And people always ask me, like, are you going to the game? Are you going here? And like, what I've enjoyed about this is like, just watching, I have a group of, of, seven or nine-year-old kids seven to ten-year-old kids we've got like 20 of them in our house and they're just going nuts and like watching those kids enjoy this has been it's been incredible yeah so i i think this is like the for me at least maybe not for everybody else it's like this reflection stage where i'm trying to make sense of this miracle that's happening before my eyes (laughs) and and you're just like, what is going on? And then I like, I, I probably looked at this way too deep, but I'm just like, uh, it, it like it's like validation for all the years of of uh, just sticking stick with the team. But it's not in a way. I think I thought before it was going to be one of those things where it was like, I knew it, I knew it, right? It's not that. It's like, oh my god this is so fun to watch all these people enjoy this in so many different ways. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's just neat, man. I I can't, I'm, I'm excited for Sunday. Um, I don't know how you do your job. Like use this as an example. I mean, you talk about this all the time. I always joke with you guys. you, You can be the first ever, uh, you know, Cover, people that cover the team that wear jerseys to the <laughs> while you're covering them, but you always say, "Hey, you're objective. You're not a fan." I, I don't know how you can evaluate the team object- objectively right now. Like, well, no, I, I think I, I think you're objectively looking at the stuff you're talking about, like the 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 real emotion and the real like fever around this around this team and this group and the reality of what that means to so many people including a lot of people that I know so well that are my friends and family and everything else is so much the story like that's the story that's the objective nature of the story is understanding how big that is and what that means to everybody so it's like yeah I I feel like I have a unique understanding of that having grown up here and and, and understood the you know the trials and tribulations and things like that but I don't think that takes away. Um, yeah, you know, it's just part. Of, it's just another part of the story. Like when when people, when the outside and the fans and the city becomes another part of the story. I mean, that's just another part of the story. And 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 that's why I love like talking to you and and, and anybody that's talking to people around town right now. I just feel like this 
like these conversations that we've had over the years and how they've evolved is like such a part of of this team and of this run as much as I'm not going to say you're just as important as Joe Burrow, Bobby, but, uh, <laughs> but the fans in the city and the, and what this means to them is just as meaningful. I think in the big picture of telling this team's story as, as anybody on the field. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, it's, it sounds like I've said this. I'm, I'm not a really religious person, but with these like major religious figures, when everybody follows them and like believes anything they say, they usually do some act of feat that nobody believes. I mean, Joe Burrow's like reached that with Cincinnati fans. Oh, yeah, he's like, like people, legitimately, you don't hear anybody that's like, oh, well, you know, this is bad. Or they're not going to do this. It's just like, hey, we've got Joe Burrow. <laughs> and yeah. everybody in Cincinnati is like, look, as long as he's here, like, anything's possible and that's coming from a fan base that you know was was previously terrified of everything that could potentially go wrong going wrong and now there's just like this confidence level of like oh yeah we got joe burrow we're gonna be good the power <laughs> of the uh, quarterback i mean it, and he, it's 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 unbelievable but yeah so all right so so sunday it's whatever time it is 9 30 uh and let's say evan mcpherson lines up for the game-winning kick and it goes through. What 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 is that like for you? What do you, have you do you even allow yourself to envision what that is like, or is that not as exciting of the thought of envisioning the parade? I uh, I know what it is. I I've done it. We did it at Kansas City. I did it. I did it when we won the playoff game. We did it last week when we won Super Bowl. I hug my son. Like that's what it is. I like I hug my son and he cries. And every one of these, he's a nine year old kid who like just learned to understand football. And like I said before, in two thousand five, that was. I'm end up on the floor at MLTs, and and now now I'm like I know what's gonna happen. Like my I I, I pick my son up, and he looks at me, and I tell him just like I told him when we, when we beat Kansas City the first time, we're going to the playoffs, and he cried. And then it was like we won a playoff game, and he cried. And then it was like we're going to the Super Bowl, and he cried. And it's not like it's not it's just like it's like endearing tears. It's not like he's crying like wailing. It's just like this look of like. Oh my God, Dad! You said this was going to happen, and it actually happened. Um, and it's 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 you know I'm with my wife, and I'm hugging my family, and I'm with my friends. I mean, the group of friends that I'm with. One of one of the people I watch the games with. Do you remember the Hootay Revolution? Oh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's my urinal case. That's my. Those were my buddies that did that. We all grew up together as kids. You know, they they were like, "Oh, we're gonna stick it to Mike Brown and blah blah." My 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 buddy Andrew, he ends up getting into Duke's business school over that whole thing. Like he he leveraged that to the nth degree and has a successful career. And now here I am. You know, fast forward however many years later, and I'm watching. You know, it's he's he's sitting next to me. He's been sitting next to me for all these games. The guy who literally was the most like pessimistic towards the Bengals sitting with me and we're sitting there celebrating together. <laughs> it's just great. It's like, Unbelievable. It's incredible. Uh, yeah. Well, Bobby, I hope this, I hope this raver has lived up to expectations uh, for you uh, because uh, it's, it's, I, everybody is, has now figured out uh, the juice that you were running off of all there is. Now you and your son, you, you, you've come from laser cats all the way to the top, <laughs> man. I mean, we did it. We you did know, it. You hey, did it. You did. I, I got. I got to give a plug here. So, a couple of things on Fifty West. Yeah, I got to plug these. Um, one, we're close to the Super Bowl, um, so we're shutting down. I told. I told my staff after right when that kick went through. I texted my managers and said, "Guys, look." people need to be home with their families for this. Like I, this is not about you having to come into work and see how much money you can make. So, you know, I gave them the option. I said, if, if you guys, if you'd rather be here, be here, but uh, staff decided they want to, they want to be home for the Super Bowl, So we're shutting down at four 30. And then on Monday, the day following, because all of these, you know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals have brought a holiday to all of these children around <laughs> uh, Cincinnati. It's we're doing free ice skating for kids. Cause people need to have something to do with their kids there. So, yeah. uh, you know, we're limited to how many people can be on the ice, but if you want to go, uh, just go on our website, book, it's promo code who day, and you can get free ice skating for that day. So oh, look that's our, our, look our little you. give back. I can, I can say that we were up there, uh, myself and my family, we were up there yesterday. The ice skating was primo. It was fantastic. I had a great time. And the snow covering all the sand is exponentially more fun for the kids and less <laughs> hassle for everyone else. So we are officially pro snow. So you need to do like get, get some perfect north people to come down oh, yeah, and like yeah, blow snow family. for every winter so that you can have the uh, snow permanently cover all the sand because uh, that was a blast for everyone. 
way to be running around playing it. But that that said, perfect experience. Highly recommend that for anybody on Monday. Good good on you for doing that, Bobby. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Bengals playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, and uh, we will, I'm sure, talk to you uh, on the flip side. Stay uh, stay safe out there. Absolutely. Hey, and, and to you and Jay and, and your team, thank you guys for all you're doing. Your content is just so spot on. I'm warm. I mean, the amount of people that are, I don't know, I'd love to know what your viewership or listening chip is at this point. It's got to be like insane with the amount of people coming to me saying, hey, I heard better podcast. They're doing, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're doing good work, so keep it up. Well, I appreciate it, Bobby. All right, man. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you uh, soon. Hootay. All right, great to uh, catch back up with Bobby. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know enough about rave culture to know at what point we're out yet. We're at yet, or if it is, it's whoever the most famous current like rave DJ is. He just, I think that's what it is. I definitely think it's that he just did a surprise show up here at the end, and now the rave that was going on at five in the morning is going to go on for two more epic hours with some famous DJ, probably in some dumb helmet and like jumping around behind an Apple computer, but. Again, I'm not real strong with rave culture, Jeff. <laughs> no, I'm not either. That, that, that's, that's way beyond. Uh, I, I've graduated from those type of parties. Um, I, I do. Uh, speaking of a party, if if the Bengals do win and there is a parade, I mean, obviously the parade route's going to end probably at Paul Brown Stadium. But w- would there be a better place for post parade pops than to just have everybody go to Fifty West and and celebrate <laughs> with with Bobby and um, maybe maybe he'll have a rave DJ there for everybody. <laughs> Glow sticks for everyone. So we, we've got a lot of content, as you might imagine, coming your way this week. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe uh, because it's not just us. There are We have a team that I can't even tell you how big it is at The Athletic right now covering every angle of this. Uh, we're working projects with other people. We've got – it's just – it's crazy. So go to The Athletic. Fresh content coming, updated daily, not just from us, but from uh, you know everyone we've got on a podcast platform. Uh, we'll of course we'll be joining the Athletic Football Show uh, with Robert Mays. We'll have multiple live rooms. We'll have another live room uh, with Jay and I. We'll have one with Jordan Rodriguez that covers LA and Lindsey Jones, like we did before the Kansas City game. We'll have our regular Thursday podcast, of course, that we what we have a preview of the game, both coming from LA. So we'll have a ton of stuff to talk about from everything going on out there and again keep it locked on the twitter uh because we'll be updating you and everything that's going on with the Bengals and the super bowl then of course super bowl walkout will be coming to you we're almost there jay we're we're getting close the, the season ends this weekend like we can say that without question finally the season does end this weekend um with the super bowl walkout it will be our last walkout of the year and i i look forward to uh i look forward to that you say we're almost there, but it still seems like it's forever off in the distance. We, we've got a lot of work to do this week, but uh, we, we appreciate everyone listening and reading and following along because uh, we are. We're going to be working hard for you guys all week. Jay, have a safe flight to L.A. I will be right behind you. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back a bunch of times this week. So uh, make sure you keep it uh, keep, keep your subscription on, on iTunes or on The Athletic or Spotify because we're coming your way. Have a good one, everybody.